It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Debro. We are at a point now where Wake Forest has a quarterback in the transfer portal, so that's probably going to be the majority of this episode. Uh, starting off with kind of how this situation sort of evolved, then to the why, you know, the why of why Hank Bachmeyer. That's always a question of you know whether it's someone that's highly touted, not touted. The why is always important. And then, obviously, you know, Wake Forest basketball did play a game on Saturday. They don't play again until, I believe, the 18th of of December. Good for them to rest up. I know Andrew Carr is dealing with something. You know, I think it's a good, good, a good time after playing some important games that they need to take a little bit of rest. But so kicking things off with how things got to Hank Bachmeyer. So I, I know this has been brought up by someone on the board's uh, yesterday that I especially because I mentioned last week on the podcast that you know I felt like teams didn't really want to get you know kind of quote-unquote stuck with a guy like Hank Bachbeier but the more I've kind of like dug into things over the last 24 hours like waking up yesterday seeing Pete Thamel say you know Hank Bachmeyer was you know, committing to Wake Forest threw me for a loop but the more I've looked into things it's a lot of people have just not really – a lot of people haven't taken shots on the quarterbacks I thought they would. Like I know NC State, for example, you know, they're in on Grace McCall. If Grace McCall ends up going to UCF, then, you know, they're kind of figuring out what they want to do next from there. And I know they've looked into – I know they've looked into Curtis Rourke, who is someone that Wake Forest offered – and it's kind of my prime example of a lot of this is yeah, Curtis Work was a 2022 Mac player of the year. It was really good once he came back from his injury last year. 6'5", 200 plus pounds. Looks like he can do everything you need him to do. Somewhat mobile. But yet, like, Power 5 staffs aren't really doing anything with him. Right? Like, I, like I said, I know, I know NC State is someone that has had, like, a lot of staff, like, talk, like, talking to him and stuff. But no one's felt like offering. And it's like, well, I mean this feels like a point where you might need to offer a quarterback, but I don't even know if he's their backup option. 
But that's kind of how it's been with the guys like Curtis Rourke and Daquan Finn and Jordan McLeod and you know, even Max Brosmer from New Hampshire that ended up committing to Minnesota. Matthew Sluka, who is transferring out of Holy Cross, his coach is now at JMU. You know, my thought process is that's where he's going to go. But at this point, I don't really necessarily know. Teams just aren't taking like chances on these guys. And I and that it worries me a little bit. Not so much of like evaluation skills, but it worries me a bit of like is it groupthink going on right now? Or is it purely people saying these guys have hit their absolute ceilings? We don't think they can get better and them coming up to, to a higher level is is gonna hurt more than it's gonna help. Because I start looking through all these things and with Curtis Rourke, his only offers right at this point, and granted, yes, there's a long way to go in the portal process. Uh, it's it's short, but also long in the same sort of vein. Curtis Rourke only had Wake Forest, Vanderbilt, Indiana, who I would peg as the favorite right now, and BYU as his offer. So those were four, the four teams that have showed heavy interest in him and offered him. But then you, but yeah, I asked the question yesterday and I go, you know, why are those the only schools that have offered Rourke? You know, you look around the country at teams that need a quarterback and granted, you know, I, that's, you can take out teams like Washington and Ohio state and Michigan and Michigan state and USC, you take out, you know, those, those really, really big names, but you look at like the teams that are, that are you know, really, really in need of a quarterback and are out here like pretty much scouring the portal for a quarterback. And you have someone like Arkansas who, you know, I think they are going to end up getting Taylor Green from Boise State, a little connection there with Hank Bachmeyer. You look at them, Cal, you know, Baylor. There there are schools out here that aren't necessarily, that weren't necessarily the worst in the country, but are just kind of that middle rung that basically said, nah, we're not doing this. We're we're not, we're not going to, we're going to, we'll check in, say hi. And then, but, you know, offer, we're not doing that. You look at the people who took their shots on transfer portal quarterbacks earlier in, in the cycle, and by earlier, I mean a week and a half, two weeks ago, UNC. You look at a guy like Tyler Shaw, Tyler Shaw, who ended up going to Texas Tech, met Max Johnson, went to UNC. Those two guys, like, were pretty, like, like people were fighting to get to them. Like, Tyler Shuck was, I know it's, 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 it's worded like show, but it's actually like Shuck. Uh, Tyler Shuck was actually... Supposed to go in UNC and bef- until Max Johnson committed there, but you know Chuck, Chuck who like didn't show much in at Texas Tech, you know had you had a UNC offer, he had a Louisville offer, he who where he ended up committing, UCF, he had a couple of SEC offers. I, one of them is probably Vandy. I think the other one might be a Mississippi State. Not necessarily sure, but I know there's a there's there was at least two offers out of the SEC for him. Max Johnson had a had a bunch of offers even though he really did not show a whole lot at texas a&m but you look at a guy like ej warner who was who was absolutely balling at temple maybe he ends up at oregon state like possibly or a better or just a better g5 like team i i don't know like like that's one of the things that like Jordan McLeod, like this dude put up absolute numbers at JMU. And Signetti said, Signetti's just not pulling him to Indiana. Like just not even a, okay, I have better offers. I'm not coming with you. 
he's just he's not pulling him away from it. he's so McLeod's doing his own thing and it's fine and you, you know the the first things you heard about McLeod was oh FSU's kind of reaching out and Baylor's reaching out and Miami's reaching out but then you like kind of dig a little more and for like Miami he's not even in the top three of options right now it's you know Cam Ward Will Rogers They'll probably look around and see if they can get like someone else after it, like in between there, see someone else enter the border or not. But, like McLeod's like well down the, like the rung for them right now. FSU, you know, Cam Ward as well. DJU is is more than likely their second option, and I I would think if Cam Ward goes to either you know Cam Ward either ends up at Iowa State or, or Miami, DJU is probably the FSU quarterback next year. So like he's not even in the top three there. I'm not really sure if they have a third option. I know they've talked about Dante Moore as well. So I honestly don't think Jordan McLeod might, might be the, the fourth or fifth option there. It, it's 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 kind of weird. You see guys like MJ Morris and Sam Leavitt from um, not State from Michigan State. Like MJ Morris, you know, Vandy thought they had that locked up. I mean, like once once he he was going to hit the portal, you know, everything that happened. It was pretty much thought to be a done deal that Vanderbilt was had their quarterback of the future in MJ Morris. But now LSU's like fighting for him to be like their backup. And he's listening because it's like, okay, cool, maybe I could just sit, you know, behind Garrett Nussmeyer for a year. And the next year, well, in 2025, I can fight to be the starter. Or, you know, go to Baylor where things have been kind of weird, or Maryland, which is also a quarterback situation in flux. You know, Sam Sam Leavitt from uh, from Michigan State, Utah, and BYU, and Arizona State, and Oregon State, and Washington State. These guys are all having equal, if not better, opportunities than you know your really touted G five quarterbacks, and that's weird. Like it's weird that people are just being so adverse to pulling the trigger on the G five quarterbacks. And why no wake pulled the trigger with. Curtis Rourke, I know they were evaluating Jordan McLeod and Finn and Chandler Rogers. That to me kind of makes it a little bit awkward because not that I feel like I look stupid because I, I, I don't care about that. It's more of a thing of, you know, what am I missing? It's more of a, hey, what have I missed? And, you know, is that thing that I've missed saying, hey, like, do they really think those guys that have been really, really good at that level consistently, do they think that's just, you know, they've reached their potential there. And then you enter in a guy like Hank Bachmeyer. Oh, Mr. Hank. When you actually sit down and watch, you know, 2021 and 2023 film, 2021, he was at uh, Boise state, 2023. He was the starter at Louisiana tech, Sonny Cumbie. You are not long for that job. Fix, fix yourself, man. When you watch the tape, it's it's very, very, very easy to see why, you know, a Warren Ruggiero and Dave Clawson can go, yeah, like we, this is a guy we, we would like. and But it's also a guy that multiple people looked at. Louisville offered him. Miami offered him. There's, I know Vanderbilt offered him as well. There are a few other Power 5 uh, teams that offered him as well. And going into this, I it well, it would have been a, if, if you told me Hank Bachmeyer had more than one Power Five offer going into like going into week three because he's a grad transfer going into week three of the of the portal, I would have looked at you sideways, and a lot of people would have looked at you sideways. 
But I, I think people, like a lot of P5 staffs have looked at him and evaluated him and said they've really, they've, they, they think he's just been in a bad situation at Louisiana Tech. They thought he was in a really bad situation in 2022 when there's been a lot of, there was a lot of turmoil at Boise. And we've kind of seen how that turmoil has ended up being even worse. You know, in 2022, Boise State ended up firing their offensive coordinator. Bachmeyer just played his four games kind of got hurt and then just sat out and was like, you know what? Like, screw this. I'm going to do a fresh start somewhere else. feels like this coach is going to get fired. Andy Avalos ended up not getting fired in 2022, but got fired halfway the three quarters of the way through of 2023. Taylor Green, their then starter, and now enters into the portal. I think he's going to go to Arkansas. It's a... So it's one of those things of, of, you know, you see that and you go, okay, this is fine. I do have a question of like how much these guys think they're worth in the portal because it's the only thing that kind of comes to mind of because I know I know Hank Bachmeyer isn't gonna sit here, isn't sitting here and costing Wake Forest five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars. Now, before this ends up being a oh no, Wake skimmed out, I don't believe this is a, a situation from what I've talked to from non-Wake sources and also Wake sources. I don't believe this is a situation where Wake Forest didn't necessarily say, you know what? We don't have the funds. We just want to save everything. You know, when we want to penny pitch, penny pension, you know, we can figure this out a different way. But I, I'm at, I, I'm wondering out loud, like, are these quarterbacks like Rourke and Finn and everybody commanding, you know, a lot more money than anyone's worth, than anyone thinks they're worth? I think the same thing with kind of a Grace McCall. Like, it's kind of weird to me like, right now. You know, Grace McCall was like the hot topic Last year, and granted, he wasn't that great in a Tim Beck offense, but necessarily who has been underneath Tim Beck, you know, he's he's expensive. Like, I, I know Grayson McCall is expensive, and it's like, you know, maybe that's why Grayson's first couple options are, you know, NC State, which is, you know, a, has been a good program. And UCF, but you only have a couple of options on the table right now because you think your worth is a lot more than people are willing to pay. And I'm wondering if that's 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 the case with guys like Rourke and guys like Chandler Rogers and guys like Daquan Finn is are they trying to command a, a ton more than what what the market is telling them they're they're going to be worth? Because I think there's a a lot of the NIL stuff gets overblown. Um, I, I definitely think a good quarterback is going to cost you 100 to 200 k, like just a solid like hey this guy is even a, a jag jag plus. Don't know what that means. Just a guy, a guy that's steady Eddie. He gets you what gets you what you need. Probably not an NFL guy, but you know he's he's good enough to get you what you need to do. Those guys are probably going to cost you one to two hundred k. You have your Cam Wards and your Riley Leonard, Will Rogers, which kind of surprises me. But hey, you do you, Washington in Miami. You do you. Uh, you know those guys are going to cost north of seven figures, and then you have this kind of middle ground of you know your quarterbacks of like like the like Rourke and I'm thinking like okay these guys are probably going to cost if I if I thought these guys are probably going to cost you know one to 200k probably that's that's about what the market is telling you right now but if you're sitting here asking for you know 750 800 hell even 600k a lot of teams are going to balk at that because they're because it's like for 600K, I better be getting an NFL quarterback. And I don't know if, you know, Chandler Rogers is an NFL quarterback. I don't know if Daquan Finn's an NFL quarterback. I don't know if Curtis Rourke is a NFL quarterback. 
that's just part of it. Some a lot of people right now are trying are figuring out it's not about spending every dollar you can. The best teams right now from last year, or for, I guess from this year, because this year is still going on, aren't just teams that had a ton of money to spend, but they spent it in the right way. They spent it in a way that said, hey, I'm not going to completely overpay for somebody because you know they think they're they think they're going to be the best things in sliced bread. Like FSU didn't go in the portal and say we're going to spend a gajillion dollars. We're not going to spend a million dollars on Braden Fisk and Darrell Jackson and you know Cy- Cypress, uh, the guy from the cornerback from UVA, Cypress from Trail. Um, you're they're not sitting here spending you know, 800, 900 K on each one of these guys and saying, yep, no, we're going to beat them out. It's, you know, there's going to be a certain level of things that are, are going to happen. And well, you go from there. Like, I mean, there is kind of a reason why, you know, a safe, like safeties are kind of, I was worried about Malik going to the portal because safety, because safeties that for some reason are going for three to 400 K for like really good ones. Because I think there's actually an actual, like not a huge difference between a pretty decent safety and a, you know, a fantastic one. So everyone kind of ends up in that conglomerate. It can kind of drive up the price. So everyone can say, yeah, I can get 300, 400K for a really, really good one. It's not the case of quarterbacks for whatever reason. It's either a, you'll get one for, you know, 100, 200K, or you get one for $1.2 million. And there's not really a ton of in between. So, and that's even true from last year. Like there's some, there's some guys that I know that were, that went to power five schools and, they were like, wow, and this is a this is the hot commodity, and got like 100k, 200k. So it's always weird to be careful with nil stuff. I I see the stuff about Marvin Harrison Jr. getting 20 million dollars, or they're trying to offer him 20 million dollars. Ohio State doesn't have 20 million nil dollars to give Marvin Harrison Jr. First and foremost. Secondly, if you are paying someone 20 million dollars to stay in school, wrap it up, man. Don't no. no. No wide receiver, is worth, no player in college is worth $20 million to you. I, I am so sorry. That is just not, that's just not smart. But kind of bringing this back to Hank Bachmeyer again, I, you turn on the tape and you, and you understand it. I'm not going to sit here and sell you and tell you he's going to be the, the best thing since sliced bread, but I also don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's, I don't think he's awful. I don't think he's bad. I know someone somewhere that's a Wake Forest fan went on YouTube yesterday at you know, 9 30, 10 o'clock in the morning, Googled Hank Bachmeyer, saw opened up the game against FIU, and went, oh my God. The first, the first play that they have on the on his highlight from there. Oh my God, it's a slow mesh play. We're gonna run nothing but slow mesh. I'm gonna jump out of this window. I'm gonna jump right out of his third story window. <laughs> The thing with Hank Bachmeyer is play action is his friend. He is a very, very strong passer out of play action, which you would think is something that people would be better at as across the board. Funny enough, some people are just awful at it. They just make the wrong decision. Uh, I think Hank's that Hank has has a lot of strengths, and I think and I think it's there's a reason he was a four star prospect coming out of high school. You know, I the, the knock on him, at least for me, and I think a lot of others is the fact that I don't know if he's necessarily the best at anything. Now, I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here and say 
I I don't think he has like an elite arm. I don't think he's going to sit here from, you know, just basic stance, chuck that bitch 80 yards. I don't think he's going to, I don't think him chucking the ball 85, 90 yards is just a realistic thing. That's a, that's a special kind of arm that can do that. That's, that's like a Pat Mahomes can kind of can do that. A Josh Allen with a, with a freaky arm can do that. I don't think you're, there, there are a lot of NFL court, like good starting NFL quarterbacks that, that cannot do that. It's a, it's a, it's its own trait. Not every quarterback has that. That's fine. He's not the most athletic guy on, on the field. He can run. He has he has some scrambling ability. He's he's mobile enough that he can he can make things work. I think he's more Sam like in that aspect of, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily worried about him running, but if he cuts it loose, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, you you can you can make something happen here, and that's kind of kind of where I see that. I do like him diagnosing coverages, though. I think he's been he's really, really good. And that's why I think the play action stuff is really interesting with him. Because him, when he gets the layer of throw, that's his bag. Like that is his absolute bag. And if you don't know what I mean by layering throws, podcasting is a visual media. So you know those throws that are like 15 to 20 plus yards that the quarterback can kind of layer it like so they're going over someone that's kind of covering underneath, but it's not going too far in the safety that's coming over the top to absolutely murder the receiver, like those kind of throws like towards the sideline or even in the middle of the field. He, those, that's his bag. That is what Hank Bachmeyer can do better than a whole lot of quarterbacks in the portal and in, and in the NCAA right now. Those throws are just insane. And I think that's why he grades well, because if you look at the grades on PFF and, you know, I have my, I have my issues with PFF and I have my issues with QBR this is one where QBR and PFF don't really align because when you look at his, his PFF from last year um, in 2023, you know, he was pretty, I would say, I mean, up and down is probably the best way to put it, but he ended up grading at basically a 78.8. I mean, it's basically an 80, but if you look at a 78.8 in terms of, you know, the entirety of, you know, college football. And I mean, those who qualify, I'm not going to sit here and put people who have started two to three games in here. Seven, six, four. 37th out of, you know, almost 200 qualifying quarterbacks. And like, he's, he's around guys. Like he's not too far behind Noah Fafita, Arizona, who was really, really good. Uh, Cam Ward, obviously, was very good. Uh, Michael Pratt, who, you know, if Michael Pratt had hit the portal, Michael Pratt would have been a fighting Irishman. Uh, but, you know, going to be a, probably a second or third round pick in the NFL draft. Mikey Keene, who was really good. John Paddock, who was really good. Jaquan Finn, fan favorite right here. You know, Haynes King, who was pretty solid. Jason Bean, who was fine. Mac Johnson, who, you know, again, people were going after. KJ Jefferson, Jalen Rayner, like he's ahead of those guys. Like he, the PFF has him graded as, you know, a pretty damn good quarterback. But then you look at the, the dreaded stat of, of QBR and, oh my God, I hate this stat. I think the stat is awful. I think the stat is pathetic. You know, he's a, his QBR for the season is 42.2, which, uh, if, if you if you break up everyone that has a forty two point two, 
he's down in the he's 103rd, but you put him around Ken Seals, Tyson Fomacanch. You know, he's ahead of Mitch Griffiths, but like it, it's not a Blake Shapin, Davis Brand. It's not a it's not an area of of quarterbacks you want to be. But that's kind of where I am. I I don't know if I necessarily like QBR, and I know people that work at ESPN have an issue with QBR. It, it's it's a it's a weird it's a it's not. I don't think it's a good stat. I have I have long thought it is not a good stat, and I will continue to do that. I don't know about saying you know Hank Bachmeyer is a top fifty quarterback in in college football last year, but I don't think he was this absolute atrocious you know thing. And also his QBR is also around guys like Will Rogers. That is that you know Washington and, and Miami and a bunch of other people are trying to throw him a million plus at. So you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I gotta sh- I gotta shrug at it and just go you you do you QBR, but I think that's an interesting thing. This is this is one where I think the film tells you a different story than what the actual stats do, and I mean the, st- and the stats aren't terrible. They're they're not good, but they're not. He didn't. We've seen bad. We we've seen bad. He he didn't go Deacon Hill out here. It, he there they could have been a lot worse. Though we trust me, it could have been, but. That's when I, that's where I think it's interesting is, you know, I think there's a divide between what film tells you and what the stats are saying right there. And I think it's interesting the fact that, you know, you know, PFF who does, you know, look at the stuff, think he was a lot better than what the stats suggested. And I think it's interesting that, you know, coaching staffs have said, hey, you know, we think he's a lot better than what the, than what the numbers presented him. Sonny Cumbie needs needs to be sent to jail for whatever kind of offensive line he decided to trot out there this year. Uh, I didn't dig far enough to figure out if there was there were like a ton of injuries. I didn't I didn't see a ton. I didn't see a couple when I looked, but I you know maybe there's some stuff that I missed there. If you don't know, <laughs> Sonny Cumbie also doesn't like you know media when they aren't the most let's say positive to him. So it, it it's always hard to figure, to figure things out there. But, you know, I, for what I watched that, that offensive line was just awful. Just, just. I think about the one that you, that you watched from Wake Forest for most games this year. It was worse than that. It was, it was just so bad. It, I, I felt bad for him. I truly felt bad for him. And it was one of those things that you kind of watch and you're like, wow, like, and this dude's also still pulling out like big time throws. Like he, he didn't have like the stats, but he still put, puts the ball on the money. The dude got pressured 101 times in, in nine games. This dude's getting pressured. There, there are games on here that the second game of the season against SMU got pressured 22 times and got sacked seven. If you like time to throw, because I know that's a stat everyone, people people love to throw it out. His time to throw his, his entire year was about 2.66 seconds. Dude's basically it. And the thing is, this is an air raid. So the ball is supposed to be out like within like 2.8-ish. And this dude's not getting that much, not getting 2.8 like ever. He's just not doing it. So he's he's scrambling for his life. Uh, again, I'm not going to sell you on Hank Bachmeyer. I'm not going to do it. I, 
I'm not going to do it. And I want to, I want to again, preface this. I, I'm not going to do it not because I don't think he's going to be you know, good because again, there there's, you go back and watch the 2021 season of, of Boise state. And that dude has throw some vapors. That dude, that BYU game. Yes. That Wyoming game. Absolutely. The New Mexico game. Yes. Colorado state. Very, very, very good. Uh, I, th- I thought it was solid in their San Diego state game as well that year. And going back to this year, you know, he had some moments against SMU that I was like, okay, hey, you, you're getting your ass whooped, but you're still, you're still making, there are a couple of throws that are just flat out, just some of the better throws you'll see in the country this year. And, you know, then everything kind of breaks down and you'll take, there's a sack coming because he has no time. You know, he had an injury and that's kind of a concern for me a little bit is the fact that he has been injured a couple of times throughout his career. Uh, but that was also a big thing in you know 2020 and 2022 and this year as well. The two times he's had a solid offensive line, 2019 and 2021, he's been really he's been really solid. He's been really he's been really good. So you know, is he someone that needs a good offensive line to survive? Probably most quarterbacks do, but he's definitely someone that he needs a solid offensive line to be able to work. And so the, and that's kind of why I think the pat the play action stuff is interesting with him is because. If you can take some of the pressure, some of the blitzing off of him, I think you do really well. And I can't even say blitzing because in 2021, per PFF, again, take take things with a grain of salt. You know, this year he was just ungood under pressure when blitzed. They split those apart from each other. There can be plays that you're blitzed, but not under pressure, but all plays under pressure are always when you're blitzed. So they can there is some overlap there sometimes, but he was awful there. People are never really going to grade too well there. But then you kick it back to 2021. And under when he was under pressure, still wasn't great. And the under pressure one is the one that really no one is going to do well, minus like your Heisman level contenders. Like I think this year, the only guys that are grading over like a 70-ish in that metric are Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix. And I think Michael Penix as well. So... That's that's not the one I'm really worried about because yes, you get a quarterback under pressure, under duress, nine times out of ten, they're going to crumble. That is just how football works. But the blitz numbers in 2021, dude was throwing lasers out here. You know, great at 78.5, which for that metric is really good. You know, completed just under 60% of his passes, 14 touchdowns to four interceptions. That's that's the stuff where I think you if you're a staff, you look at that that year and a lot of this year and go, hey, I think he can do it. I think I think he can do it. It also makes sense from Wake Forest's perspective because, so I mentioned I don't think he think he has the best of I don't think he's the the biggest arm in the country. I don't think he's the most athletic guy in the country. What I do think he does offer you though is I think he offers you a, a floor, and that's something Wake just did not have this year for a multitude of reasons, but. They just didn't have a floor as a quarterback. And I think for the most part, you know where. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think, I think for the most part, like the, the floor thing is always hard because some people always think it's, you know, it's a rushing ability that gives you a floor or solid passing ability. Hank Bachmeyer is not going to make a bunch of dumb mistakes. He might have one or two brain farts because every quarterback has literally every quarterback ever has brain farts and that happens. But for the most part, you know, he'll, he will try to fit the ball in some windows and he's, he's really good. I will, I cannot, if you asked me two weeks ago, if I was singing some praise on anything Hank Bachmeyer did, I would call you a liar, but there, but there are obviously some good things that quarterbacks do. The layering throws is one thing he is watch him try to throw, throw it in over, over the middle into a window and it is a thing of beauty like it is that is an actual good thing i hate his deep balls i think he doesn't have the arm strength to hit the deep balls i think that's again i bring about sam hartman a little bit i think that's kind of the mold of okay yeah like he'll, he'll under throw a couple of those deep balls but when it comes to just lasering those those bitches over the middle it is just whoo and those will kind of lead towards you know some of your turnover worthy plays quote unquote because fitting it into a tight window when it works it's really really good when it doesn't work you know then it's like ah you try to force it too much but that's something he's really done well in and i think that's kind of something that wake Forest didn't have last year they really just didn't have that intermediate sort of passing game that's something he's really he no matter the year he's been very very good at that intermediate level passing game and i think that can start taking a little bit more pressure off the defense i mean off 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 the off the running game is like hey you know, this dude can actually sling it over the middle. This dude can sling it towards the sidelines. And, you know, it's, he's, I think while the arm strength deep isn't what you, what I would want out of an NFL quarterback, it's the ones where he drives the ball. And that's where I think arm strength is different in, in those different scenarios where he actually can drive the ball to like to a point, though that's, that's money. Like that is, hey, I understand why you were rated so highly as, as a high schooler. I understand why you succeeded in 2021, and I and I understand why you had some some sort of succeeding in 2023, depending on the week. Earlier in the year, eh, eh. Later in the year, I did did see some good stuff, and you know. But if you're Wake Forest, I think you do need to make sure your offensive line is up to snuff because one, I mean, and also this, I'm prefacing this right now with him being the starter. I'll talk about that in a, in a second. But if he gets a starter, I mean, regardless of him, Jeremy Heklinski, Charlie Gilliam, Michael Kern, that was in no order. That was just how this is listed. Regardless of who the starter is, I think you need to shore up your offensive line. I, I think you need to absolutely shore this up. 
you can't a true freshman will get hurt. Charlie Gilliam really hasn't had any, hasn't not really has not had a single college snap. Kern has already gotten hurt once because the blocking was just abysmal. And Bachmeyer has, you know, had an in- injury history. Like, but that's also the same thing. I just watched Justin Herbert break his finger because the Chargers offensive line is garbage yesterday. You got to be able to protect your quarterback. You got to, got to, got to be able to protect your quarterback. And I think you need to be able to, I think you need, you need to, whether it's the guy you had on campus this weekend, whether it's the Harvard transfer, Jacob Rizzi, whether it's Luke Newman out of Holy Cross, you know, you need to get one of those guys and you really need to push, push, push your offensive, your offensive line coach and the offensive line this off season and say, Hey, this needs to be right. This, this has to be better than what we saw. There were some incremental steps that they that they took, and I think the last few games of the season, minus the Notre Dame game, I thought they were playing a lot better. Like that Duke game, I thought they were spectacular in that aspect. I thought they were really good in the Syracuse game. I thought they were and this, the NC State game hard to evaluate because evaluate because once they pulled Mitch, State stopped blitzing, so that one was kind of weird. I thought they did a better job against Florida State. Um, and, you know, I thought they were all right against Pitt as well. So I thought they got better as the year went on. But whatever the whatever the hell we saw the first week or so, of the first few weeks of the season, that can't happen. And you can't continuously have your bust. And I know you're going to miss. You're without Michael Jurgens now. You know, now you're going to probably slide in either Nick Sharp or, you know, George Sell at other other position. You got you to figure this out. And hopefully Devontae Gordon with more experience and Luke Pettibon with more experience and Matt Goldman with more experience and a, you know, a grad transfer at the other tackle spot are going to help you know, bring this along. But regardless of who your quarterback is, you need to shore that up. Now, the question is, you know, does Hank Bachmeyer become starting quarterback at Wake Forest next year? Maybe. Eh? Eh? And again, it's not so much being down on him. And I, I, I understand. I understand the fact of, you know, if you're upset that Wake Forest didn't get a guy committed, that is for sure the 100% starter of next year. I understand, you know, some frustrations are just kind of like, yeah, not this. Which is also why I'm like, look, I don't think they spent a ton of money on that. If they did, I would have a lot more issues. But but I understand, you know, if you're like, wow, Wake Wake didn't absolutely just hundred percent fix that position at you know on the onset, then I'm like, okay, cool. That's I, I understand frustration there. I also don't necessarily know how I don't necessarily know if there's a winning answer though, because I would also be very, very, very pissed off if I was anyone, if you know they went on and signed, say let's let's say Curtis Work wanted 500k, I'd be a little I'd be a little pissed off if they went out and signed someone for you know mid for a few hundred thousand dollars, you know five six hundred thousand dollars, and that dude went out there and stunk next year. I I I don't know which one I'd be more mad at to be quite honest, and that's kind of where you're like. Because then it's go, okay, well, did you just eval that poorly? Did you just not surround him with the pieces? So I think at it's not so much saving face, but I think in general, it's just going to be a, we're going to see what happens. 
And I'm I'm okay with we'll see what happens because I've seen even the best players of quarterbacks go into a different situation and just kind of stink. <laughs> and so I I have not that I've given up on that, but I've just more of a I will believe I will believe it when I see it when that and that comes with any sort of like quarterback. But I remember like I said, I've said it before, Bonix. Bonix was an absolute roller coaster at Auburn. And then when he went to Oregon, I was like, I just don't know if that's going to work. And I think a lot of people went, I don't know if that's going to work because the Bonex experience is real. And then it worked out. And then you kind of look at the other side of, of those things. And I'm like, well, you know, how happy was, how happy was Notre Dame with Stan Hartman this year? Um, if you go look at him, go look at how things transpired there, well, how things did transpire there. I don't know if people are necessarily thrilled with how much they spend and how and, you know, the results from that. I know Kentucky wasn't thrilled with, because I thought Kentucky thought they had fixed things with, with Devin Larry. Didn't do that. Again, Brennan Armstrong, you know, I think NC State fans thought that that had gotten fixed. And, and granted, NC State had a good year and Brennan came back in, looked great. Well, Brennan came back in and, you know, was a serviceable quarterback. But I mean, we can't ignore the fact that they were trying to run him out of, they ran him out, ran him out of the paint for the first six weeks. Like they were not great there. Um, you know, Graham Mertz was pricey quarterback and didn't do, didn't do a whole lot there. Jeff Sims as well. I'm just, I'm just personally going, going to take a step back and just not put a stamp and say, yeah, um, I'm going to be definitive one way or another. And if that's and if that's upsetting that you feel like you didn't get a definitive answer there, that's fine. I I, I could completely understand that. There's 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 ways to be kind of rational about it. And I'm like, hey, if you said, hey, we didn't fully shore this up, that's great. I am encouraged though that there is going to be a legitimate quarterback, you know, competition. I'm not so much encouraged because it's because people are just being that good when where it's not. It's hey, we're going to still figure this out. But I do think competition brings out the best in everybody. And I think that's something that was severely missed this last year. I think putting Hank and Michael Kern and Charlie Gilliam and Jeremy Heklinski, who I will go on the record and say, like, this dude is really, really, really good, man. Like, I, I think this dude is is excellent. The height is the one thing I think is holding him back from. I've said it before. The height's the one thing I think holding him back, you know, well, from being rated higher, I, I I think there are some discussions being had of whether or not, you know, I think he does get a ratings boost regardless because I don't, I just don't think you can have this type of season at the level of football, high school football that he's playing and not get a ratings boost. But I think there are discussions being had of, you know, how high, like, do you give him that four star? I think he ends up being, you know, 88, 89 because just, you know, the knock on him was the was the turnovers and how risky he was playing. The dude's got basically a 40 to one ratio in terms of touchdowns, interceptions. No, like I, I can't, I can't sit here in a straight face and be like, well, he, he cleaned it up and he, you, you got it. You have to reward him for cleaning that up. So we'll see. I do think the competition will be fun. You know, I originally snap called was like, I think Hecklinski is probably the is my odds on favorite to to win it but i'm also someone that's like 
you know, if does Hank Bachmeyer being in a better situation give him finally the freedom that to be the quarterback that he has shown that he showed in 2021 that he showed in glimpses in 2023? Because if if it's that dude, then I'm 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 down with it. Sure, he's just a Jag plus. He's just a just a guy plus. But how many games this season does Wake Forest probably win with just a guy? You know, how how many games this year? Do, like more games will they win with that? And like that's the that's where I kind of, that that's the ones where I'm always like, you know, I think there are a lot of plays that can be made, you know, one way or another. And I think the Duke game is probably one where I, you know, yes, the fumble hurt, the fumbles hurt, but also your defense, your yeah, you had some costly penalties on one drive that you just could not afford that. But I mean, how many games in like this past year with a with a jag? Do you think you really like could have won? Like you probably could have won BT with a jag. You probably win Clemson with a jag. You probably win. Yeah, Syracuse probably not because I mean you court your quarterback played well in that game. Do you do you win? Does how does NC State go differently with with a jag? Like you know that's that's kind of where I'm like okay like I don't think I don't think Georgia Tech flips, but I think you know Virginia Tech and Clemson are the two games that I'm like with a with a with a Jag plus at a quarterback, you win those games. And that's kind of my worry about Kern is my fact that Kern was in that Virginia Tech game and the offense still didn't look good. So, but does competition help him? Does competition help Heklinski? Does competition help Hank? I think it will. And I'm interested to see, you know, how that plays out. I I would, I am totally fine with a, with a quarterback competition going in, going into the spring. I'm completely fine with it. I'd rather that than you get someone who, you know, everyone thinks is good and they outright stink. You know, I, that's, that's, that's the one that I, that would worry me is, you know, obviously I would love to go out there. If I could go out there and get Cam Ward, do it. If I have one point, if I, you know, a million and a half dollars, go out there and get Cam Ward, but it's not the case. And so I think you, you have to trust your eval here. And I talked to someone about this, yesterday when it happened and you know it they they made a point made a good point about us you know Clawson's entire like ethos is we were going to take kids that are overlooked for whatever reason like we're going to take this market inefficiency and put them in a position to succeed what's more overlooked than a former four-star that balled out for a couple years at one spot transferred to a awful program that he thought was going to be better for a situation. And now no one believes it. <laughs> it's, it's just, that's just the Dave way. And I think this is, I also do think this portal eval stuff is going, is a, you need to trust in whatever you believe in and important. I, I would say that for every single type of every single college out there, what Wisconsin wants is different than what Wake Forest wants. What, Miami wants is going to be different than what Wisconsin wants. What, you know, Oregon state is going to be different than what Baylor wants. Schemes are just going to be different and not every quarterback is going to work in your scheme. Like a Tyler, like Tyler Van Dyke, for example, Tyler Van Dyke would not work in Wake Forest. He just, he's just too immobile. Like I, Wake Forest doesn't have the most mobile quarterbacks in general. Tyler Van Dyke would not survive, would not survive here. I think he can, ha- he can be a good quarterback, but this is not a situation that I think would be advantageous for Tyler Van Dyke, nor do I think Tyler Van Dyke would think that's an advantageous position for him. Same sort of thing with a trying to think of a, of a pre just like hyper mobile dude. I like just Nate Johnson for Nate is probably a better example. 
Nate Johnson from Utah, probably one of the best athletes on the field whenever he steps on there. I, oof, buddy, that I, I think he would struggle. I mean, he struggles throwing slants. Like the entire joke about him at Utah is that he can't throw slants. He just, he, anything from zero to like eight yards, he can't do a slant. He can't do throwing it down, throwing it deep. Got you there. He just cannot play the pitch and catch though. It's weird. Um, I think he would, I think he would struggle with like, like trying to diagnose coverages and trying to, and he putting him in his position where he has to actually read things and have to actually, you know, make those short throws. That's a problem. So that's one of the things where you, know, you have to trust your eval because not only is it, you know, you're finding with other people for the people that you want, you need to find your specific. Now, you know what these people look like in actual, like different schemes. That isn't just high school kind of BS. Now you have to see like, okay, this dude can actually do this and this with these types of schemes. I have to, will he adjust to mine? And it's, it's a, it's, it's a different eval than it is for high school. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued, but I think we, I think this spring is going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a little bit frustrating for at times because I don't necessarily think there's a way if you're Wake Forest, you can, I don't think there's a way you can win this off season. If you're, if you're Wake Forest, um, because, and and I would have said this even if there was Hank or, you know, Curtis Rourke or Daquan Finn or whatever. I don't, I just don't, I have not thought there's a way if you are awake, you can win in an offseason, which is really weird because the offseason is usually for winning. If, say, Hank Bachmeyer goes out there and, you know, just absolutely puts a stranglehold on, you know, the QB1 position, then it goes back to, well, you know, Mitch Griffiths, you know, was the best player in practice, which he was, and then stunk when he got to the field. You know, can I trust that? Think Bachmeyer doesn't go out there and, and perform and say it's Michael Kern or Jeremy Peklinski. It's like, oh no, we have a true freshman quarterback coming in here. Like, come on, man. Or it's, wow, you can even go get a dude to beat out Michael Kern who couldn't beat out Mitch Griffiths last year. You know, I, I don't know. And, it, and like I said, that would be if it was Hank, if it was Caitlin Hauser, if it was Max Johnson, if it was anyone but that, like, Dylan Gabriel, Dante Moore, not even Dante Moore, Dante Moore's project at this point. Gabriel Ward, Riley Leonard sort of group. I think that that's where you would land would be like, even if it was like, say you got Will Rogers or Colin Ford and they came in and just like, weren't doing well. I I very much think the, the narrative kind of would be, Oh my God, you misread the quarterback that poorly that, you know, you, you went and got, got this guy when you could have gotten this guy. And so I don't know if there's necessarily a way for wake to win the off season, and so it's going to be interesting as a point to it's going to be interesting to just kind of put the pieces together and see, you know, figuring out how to say what happens, what's happening, what's happening while also trying to because you're also combating narrative when you're when you're running, you're combating narratives like your, your point isn't to control the narrative. Your point is to, you know, this is what it is, but you're going to be fighting the narrative of, OK, this dude, this team missed on quarterback last year how do they not do it again this year? So that's going to be an interesting thing. Finishing out with Wake Forest basketball, moved up 17 spots in the net, didn't move last I checked for this morning. This is going to be a, I think it's still going to be a really fun season. 
I keep looking at the schedule and it's really a this I think this team can make some noise. You know, I, I thought the first half performance against NJIT, you know, wasn't necessarily the best when I when I rewatched it. But I mean, then they ended up winning by 24. And I go, okay, you not only covered the net spread or in Cape and Ken Palm spread, but you, you did it well enough to, to jump uh, like a significant amount. And why I want them to play put together an entire 40 minutes. You know, all I can ask is that at the end of the game, you win and you win by a certain amount. They did that. Do it again against Delaware State. Do it again against Presbyterian. Just, I, I get kind of being worried about, well, you know, they've come out flat a little bit against Charleston Southern and them and Towson and et cetera. But like, you know, they're they're making they're making strides up like up the rankings, and that's all I can really ask for at this point. Win the games ahead of you. Win the games ahead of you in the margins that you're supposed to. And while I would love a thirty to forty point win, you win by twenty four. I can't really complain about that. Um, I wasn't really surprised to see Efton Reed struggle a little bit. Honestly, a little hard in those types of playing those types of offenses that NJIT does for a guy like Efton to really establish him. I, I don't think he's someone that needs to be playing against like big slow centers. I think that's someone that just, hey, they have all these guards running at him. That's probably going to be a problem. So you, know, you got Delaware State on the 18th, Presbyterian on the 21st, and then you go on AC play on the 30th. You know, I know, you know, they play Virginia Tech and then Boston College, which just beat Rick Pitino led St. John's. You know, I saw someone call St. John's a tournament team. Not exactly sure if that team is a tournament team. Um, I, I will see. I thought that was, I thought that was a solid win for the ACC. Um, you know, they won. They need to do a better job of winning out of conference, and they have. Well, they did. I wouldn't say they have. They did there. That's a that's one that hey. You win. I don't care if you beat if you beat them or you beat Colorado or you beat whoever. Win is a win. Beat them. But I still think if you're awake, you know, you can still run off the next four games in a row before you take on Miami at home. And if you run off those four games, hey, I think you're in a solid position to make some noise before you go to Tallahassee and then ultimately come home for a huge game against Virginia. I think that's where you need that's and I said this last week, that's where you really need to put yourself into position to say, hey, we're gonna say you're making a run. Because I don't know if this is necessarily another I think this might be another year where, you know, the ACC gets five ish teams, maybe a six team in. And so I think you need to position yourself into being a top, you know, I think probably a top six team going into the tournament and then at worst, and then going from there. Obviously, I would like to win all the games, but you start going through this and you go, all right. So, you know, I think they match up well against Virginia Tech and Boston College. And, you know, Miami has not looked good, like, at all. Miami, and it's kind of, Miami just doesn't play defense than they really haven't ever. Uh, that It hasn't been what's won the games in March either. But, yeah, you can do the whole transit of, well, they beat NJIT by 41. Wake only beat them by 24. So, you know, what, what do you make about that? And Miami beat UGA while Georgia didn't. But like Miami just got their teeth kicked in by Colorado. Like that was like that was bad. So I'm gonna keep an eye on Miami and see. But I think this is a finally a year Wake Forest matches up well against them, especially if people stay healthy. You'll definitely I I, I say definitely. You should have Damari back there. I I never want to say definitely with injuries because this is Wake Forest. We're cursed. It happens. 
I understand it, but I think you match up a lot better now with Efton as long as you continue to make sure he's healthy, he's healthy, everyone's healthy, and you get him minutes. I think probably once you get into ACC play, you'll probably start seeing him start. I think right now, you know, Zach Keller has been playing some very, very good basketball. Hard to not start him right now, regardless of how good Afton Reed is. But I think once Afton gets some some games under his belt, because this is the first time in a very long while. I guess he's been practicing. Practice shape and game shape are just two completely different things. I know I saw someone say he's been practicing with the team. He should be in fine shape. Those two are two different things, man. Like with Damari, I think it's a little bit differently because... You know, he at least played last year. <laughs> he played a considerable amount last year before, you know, his knee exploded. Efton, like, hasn't really played this many minutes, like, you know, in you know, games but in this sort of time frame since, what, 2021? Like, he just didn't do it last year, like, at all. And so, let's actually look and see the last time he's played a stretch like this, you know, ever. So, last year at... Gonzaga. I mean, he caught a bunch of DMPs. Like he's getting, he was getting, he averaged, you know, his minutes average was do, 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 do. my computer's being slow. His minutes average was, you know, 5.2 at home, four away. He only he played 24 games. Barely getting minutes at that point. And, you know, he's basically spotting in for for two minutes here, seven minutes here, eight minutes here, three minutes here, two minutes here. The last time he really played, you know, heavy minutes really hasn't been ever. It was maybe the first couple of weeks of like, you know, with the hoops giving and then a little bit afterwards in 2021. But if you look at him at LSU and, you know, maybe this is something to keep an eye on was for the fouls and, you know, you know that happened against NJIT is that kind of, continue to be a thing it wasn't a thing against Rucker, so that was a good sign but he did get in foul trouble a fair amount but this dude wasn't logging like high like high 20s low 30s per game at lsu even when he was there like, and even when he wasn't in foul trouble like there are some games here where you know against vanderbilt played 20 minutes only had two only had one, one foul you know, 18 minutes against south carolina that was a two-point game only had two fouls like Efton did not play high 20s, low 30s. So that's going to be an adjustment for him is to come in and actually be able to play that many minutes. And so I'm, I'm curious if that's something that's, if he's going to not be capped in general, but if part of the plan is not to run him out there for, you know, 35 minutes a game is to say, hey, let's see if we can keep you around 25 to 28 minutes unless we absolutely have to and go from there. So I'm I'm intrigued on that. You know, there's not going to be much to, to super talk about with these teams. I uh, I have to talk about Parker. Again, like, I think that there was a reason that when their team was up here in Washington, D.C., it was just a snap call by the team when I asked them who was the best shooter without Damari. Just completely snap call for Parker. Just completely. Hey, there was not even a not even a joke of, ha, 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 you know, the Cam thinks he's, he's better or whatever. It was just no Parker. It's just the without Damari is the best shooter on the team. And so you saw it there. I liked his defense. Really, really hoping he can build upon that because he's someone that I think opens up a whole lot more avenues on this team than anyone else does right now. And I, I really want to see him progress more and more there. Under an hour, 
Always love that. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, go Deeks.